Okay, it's time for some breaking news. Luckily, at this time. Is it breaking or is it just an update? Both breaking and an update from the last episode that we just did. Well, not episode, actually. It's not, it has nothing to do with Japan, but it has something to do with the opener we did on the last episode. Actually, not only just to do with it, it's actually pretty heavily tied to it. Update on the avian flu. So I'm taking from something going on in the local neighborhood, and I'm going to make it worldwide. This article is from March 13, 2020. 23 from cbc.ca. The title of the article is Eight Dead Skunks Found in Vancouver and Richmond Test Positive for Avian Flu. So here in the article, <laughs> here in the article, eight skunks found dead last month in Vancouver and nearby Richmond, BC have tested positive for avian flu. The BC government says it is the same strain of avian flu associated with the outbreak that began in April 2022. The skunks were found in residential areas in both cities and were taken to BC's Animal Health Centre over concerns they may have been deliberately poisoned. That would be awful. Well, both scenarios are awful. British Columbia's Ministry of Agriculture says the skunks were infected with the same H5N1 strain that had caused the deaths of millions of domestic poultry since the outbreak began in April last year. The ministry says in the statements the skunks have contracted H5N1 by scavenging on infected wild birds. I didn't know skunks did that. I guess I guess they would. Yeah, I don't actually know what they eat. I know, I never actually thought about it. They definitely aren't like stealth predators, that's for sure. I guess that would make sense if you're thinking about what they would eat. The statement says, while avian flu in skunks is considered to be low risk to humans, there are always risks when people or pets come into contact with sick or dead wild animals. I mean, we don't generally go around eating skunks, which is why I think that they say it's not high risk. Try to avoid them, I believe. Fact. Yeah, I very heavily try to avoid it actually since last April. The ministry says wildlife infected by flu included more than 20 species of wild birds, two skunks, and a fox found in rural areas of the province. That's the latest update well it's not the latest update i'm gonna run through the fashion of our year end update and i'm gonna run through some other headlines of what we have put together in regards to this because it's not just skunks shockingly or birds it's spreading to other wildlife and other things as we'll get to so the next article i have is bird flu kills thousands of south american sea lions as outbreak continues which is crazy there are concerns that bird flu could be getting better at crossing over to mammals after the disease killed 3,500 south american sea lions in peru holy shit the natural history museum posted that article. Next article is from the CDC and it has the bird flu current situation summary. It's keeping account I believe this would be for the United States of what's going on there. There's currently been 6,356 wild birds infected 58.5 million poultry affected. I'm assuming that's farm poultry. Yeah or else they'd be wild Farm poultry. Yeah. Jurisdictions with bird flu and wild birds is 50 States with poultry outbreaks 47 and states with reported cases of a human death. Are these fatalities? That one person did die, yes. Yeah, so one person in the United States. 
Then we move on again with another article from the CDC. H5N1 update. Two humans H5N1 cases in Cambodia were infected with the avian influenza. Just trying to see if they died. Yep, they died. It was a child and the father. The avian flu. Then we have another one. This is the New York Times that has blocked me. That's okay. All you need is the title. Bird flu dolphin cetaceans. <laughs> cetaceans. I can't even read the title. I can just read you the... Uh, sec i'll just pull it quick link and then while taylor pulls that bird flu found in dolphin in florida and porpoise in sweden what in sweden that's pretty crazy and what's the other one not just for birds avian influenza is also felling wild mammals they're finding the virus in red foxes bobcats and other mammals in north america and then the final article that i have here four dead seals test positive for bird flu in scotland this is worldwide it's not just happening in Canada and the United States obviously and it's going between species now and eventually into humans so I think that has some pretty scary implications. There's one more article too I think should be included as well because it's just something different. Three Montana grizzly bears euthanized last fall tested positive for avian flu. Why were they euthanized? That's a good question that the article's title does not answer. (laughs) And I guess we will leave it at a mystery. I was reading a a bit of one of the articles in there as well, because just hearing all these animals is kind of devastating, but like, what does that actually mean? It was explained in a New York Times article, not just for the birds, avian influenza is also felling wild animals by Emily Anthes. She talked to a virologist at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, and basically they say evolution is a numbers game, and the more mammals the virus infects, the more opportunities it has to pick up new mutations that could help it spread among all the animals that it is spreading to as well as humans because remember it's a bigger evolutionary step to get from bird to mammal than it is from mammal to human wow that's crazy i don't know why i would say remember it just it's a bigger gap yeah wow i think that it's it's not good that's for sure when it was just with birds alone i think it was having some pretty serious implications and a, a direct quote here what it's going to take for this virus to transition from being a duck or a chicken virus to being a mammalian virus is more chances to replicate in those mammalian hosts, Dr. Webby said. So that's why when we see these mammals being infected by this virus, we t- do take notice, end of quote. I would assume so. And COVID just went right from bat to humans. So. Well, that's a mammal. Oh, I didn't think it was. <laughs> okay. It was a dinosaur, wasn't it? Um, I guess you could say that. <laughs> I thought it was a reptile. But yeah, this may in fact be our last update on it before it isn't a fringe topic anymore. But hey, maybe it makes the year end. We can only always hope. Yeah, we can see about it. That's that's the update. One article and some headlines. And with that, let's get into the episode. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where we join this episode already in progress. Next up, Chelsea, do you remember that unit that you wanted to completely avoid talking about because the things that they do are really horrendous and hard to talk about? No, I didn't want to not talk about it. I just thought we would do a full episode on it. Oh, okay. There's a lot. Well, we might do an episode on it in the future, but Unit 731 is grotesque. Also Unit 100, but that's a different thing. It also comes up right here. During the International Military Tribunal for the Far East, U.S. occupation authorities deliberately omitted witnesses to obfuscate evidence in relation to the conviction of several 
several Japanese right-wing officials. This process of covering up war crimes against humanity committed by Japanese officials extended to Japanese biological warfare programs in Manchukuo. In 1946 and 1947, the State Department and U.S. military intelligence officials began a pressure campaign to convince Shiro Ishii, director of Unit 731, to take a deal with the U.S. in regard to the transfer of information research during Unit 731's activities in the region. This caused Ishii to take a deal to avoid prosecution. He would give the U.S. intelligence officials information on human experimentation procured during his time as director. To the great consternation of the SCAP and U.S. officials, the Soviet Union began its own campaign to gain information in relation to the biological weapons, and the Soviet officials blackmailed former Unit 731 members to reveal their research lest they be prosecuted at the Pavarovsk war crime trials. The U.S. intervened, forcing interrogations to be performed only in the presence of U.S. military officials, obscuring the true extent of Japanese human experimentation and to preserve their own research edge over the Soviet Union in the field. The American government sent General MacArthur to oversee the rebuild of post-war Japan, which we already knew. Hmm. MacArthur was also responsible for gathering data on biological warfare, which was obtained through human experimentation. The U.S. government offered full political immunity to high-ranking officials who were instrumental in perpetrating crimes against humanity in exchange for the data about their experiments. That's not all. Among those was Shiro Ishii, the commander of Unit 731. During the cover-up operation, the U.S. government paid money to obtain the data on human experiments deducted in China according to two declassified U.S. government documents. The total amount paid to unnamed former members of the infamous unit was somewhere between 150,000 and 200,000 yen. An amount of 200,000 at this time is the equivalent of 20 million to 40 million yen today. So they not only got off Scott clean, they also, they got, also got wealthy. Yes, because that's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they also helped the government cover up what Unit 731 was actually up to. They destroyed many of the documents. Hirohito, as emperor, gave his consent regarding the policies and activities of Unit 731 and Unit 100 and other human experimentation facilities. Despite this, there is no evidence that he was thoroughly informed on most of the atrocities that occurred within the facilities. He was one of many that would be granted immunity. Though it is unclear on whether Emperor Hirohito was made aware of the full extent of Unit 731, the Emperor's younger brother, Prince Mikasa, had toured the headquarters of Unit 731 and wrote in his memoirs that he watched films of how Chinese prisoners were, quote, made to march on the plains of Manchuria for poison gas experiments on humans. MacArthur, abiding by the Potsdam Declaration, gathered a jury for the Tokyo trials where a number of Japanese officials were successfully tried and convicted. In 1981, one of the last surviving members of the Tokyo Tribunal, Judge Rowling, expressed his unhappiness that the war crimes committed in Unit 731 had been protected by the U.S. government and wrote, It is a bitter experience for me to be informed now that centrally ordered Japanese war criminality of the most disgusting kind was kept secret from the court by the U.S. government. Unquote. So yeah. Uh, That's awful. Next up, let's talk Yakuza. We know that the Yakuza was used well by the government prior to World War II. They came up in Manchuria. They were used as stripe breakers in 1920, 1925, and 1928, respectively. I don't know why I said respectively, they just were. During the reverse course, MacArthur and the SCAP decided to turn a blind eye to the growing criminal organizations, many of whom had links with illegal ultranationalist organizational bodies for the reason of their anti-communism. Again, the most important thing is that you're anti-communist. Everything else doesn't matter. 
Many of the rehabilitated politicians had links with the ultra-nationalist organizations. Instead, the SCAP and MacArthur adopted the Red Purge, purging and dispossessing members of the labor unions, the Japanese Communist Party, and leftist academia. During the Red Purge, Willoughby and his associates began paying right-wing criminals in the Yakuza to repress the left. The Yakuza were used in strike-breaking operations as well as attacks on leaders of the Japanese left. Willoughby, who came up earlier, and his subordinates became described as obsessed and paranoid with finding plots concerning communist infiltration. Willoughby and his Yakuza operatives allegedly staged a derailment of a Japanese national railway locomotive, which we talked about earlier, in a rumored false flag operation meant to discredit the Communist Party. The G2 and U.S. military intelligence used the Yakuza in extrajudicial abductions of left-wing figures, including novelist Kaji Wataru, which led to his torture. Externally, the Yakuza were deployed in Korea, as Yoshio Kodama, in negotiations with Douglas MacArthur, supplied thousands of Yakuza and IGA veterans as volunteers in Korea where they posed as Korean soldiers. Because remember, Japan does not have a military, so they cannot fight an offensive war. So the Yakuza supplied Japanese military to the Korean War. At the behest of the U.S. military. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> the U.S. is just as bad as Japan. Next up, the Lockheed scandal. And this ends with a fantastic story. The scandal involved Marubeni Corporation and several high-ranking members of Japanese political business and underworld circles, including finance minister Isaku Sato and the JASDF chief of staff Minoru Genda. In 1957, the Japanese Air Self-Defense Force wished to buy Grumman F-11F-1F Super Tigers to replace the F-86 Sabre then in service. But heavy lobbying by Lockheed, now Lockheed Martin, of key liberal Democratic Party figures led to the adoption of the F-104 instead. Later, Lockheed Martin hired underworld figure Yoshio Kodama as a consultant in order to influence Japanese parastatal airlines, including All Nippon Airways, which is ANA, it's the airlines, mm-hmm. All Nippon Airways, to buy the Lockheed L1011, TriStar instead of the McDonnell Douglas DC-10. On February 6, 1976, the vice chairman of Lockheed told the Senate subcommittee that Lockheed had paid approximately $3 million in bribes to the office of Japanese Prime Minister Kakue Tanaka for aid in the matter. Lockheed also paid 2.4 billion yen to earn the contract from ANA, 500 million of the total yens was received by the prime minister, 160 million was received by ANA officials, 1.7 billion was received by Yoshio Kodama, who, remember, is that Yakuza guy from earlier on who was the yeah. fixer for the LDP. Yeah. On October 30th, 1972, All Nippon Airways, ANA, announced its decision to purchase 21 Lockheed 1011 TriStars, which cost approximately $5 million each, even though it had previously announced options to purchase the DC-10. The 1986 U.S. President's Commission on Organized Crime revealed that from 1969 to 1975, Lockheed used Deke & Company, a large foreign exchange operator owned by Nicholas Deke, as a conduit to transfer money intended by Lockheed to bribe Japanese officials. It was disclosed that the U.S. $8.3 million was moved to Deke's office in Hong Kong, where a Spanish-born priest representing Lockheed took the cash and carried it to Japan. And this is my favorite story about Yoshio Kodama. This pisses off a extreme right-wing Japanese porn star by the name of Mutsuyasu Mayeno. <laughs> he gets so pissed off because he says that this is an affront to the samurai code. Even though he's an extreme right-winger, he says, no, you must follow the Japanese code. He rents a plane and kamikazes Yoshio Kadama's house. Oh my god, what? Yeah. 
In Pros of the Scandal, actor, porn actor, Mitsuyasu Maino made a suicide attack on Kodama's Tokyo home by crashing a light aircraft onto it. I read the story, and basically, he went in full kamikaze gear, like what they wore to attack Pearl Harbor, and he went with another plane, and they were posing. There's a picture of him outside of his light aircraft, and somebody asked him, like, hey, what are you doing at the tarmac? And they're like, oh, we're just filming a scene for a movie. For a movie? Anyhow, they both go up in the air. He says, like, oh, I'm just gonna take a quick detour over this this way and then he turns on his calm and he says this is for the emperor which in japanese ends with bonsai which is what they kamikaze yell before they kill people or themselves and crashes it into yoshio kadama's house Yoshio Kodama had suffered a stroke two years earlier, so he was more or less like house-ridden. Didn't move yeah. a whole lot. But luckily for Yoshio, he ends up actually completely unharmed in this plane crash. Oh my god. Tanaka for this probe was arrested on July 27, 1976 and was released on August on a 200 million yen bond. He was found guilty by Tokyo courts of violation of foreign exchange control. He was sentenced to four years in prison but remained free on appeal until his death in 1993. The same thing happens with uh, Yoshio Kodama. He has a trial but he dies before it can come to pass. He has a stroke in 1984. So... <sighs> Yeah. Not a fan of that. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was that assassination that had just happened in Japan last year of Shinzo Abe. So Shinzo Abe shot giving a speech by a homemade gun. And Yamagami, the guy who did it, basically he ends up coming out with the story that he wanted to kill the leader of the Unification Church, the Moonies. But it was too difficult to get to her. Instead, it would be easier to get to a previous prime minister and shoot him. <laughs> Which is crazy. He just needed to shoot, like he made this homemade gun and he just needed to shoot someone. Yeah, but Shinzo Abe and the LDP have a big history with the Unification Church, which is a cult, which I'm going to tell you about. And I'm now going to reveal the thing that I've been hiding till now. Shinzo Abe is Kishi Nabusuke's grandson, the prime minister during Anpo, and the guy who ran Manchuria. I feel like, of course, at this point. I found a great article. It's called The Dark Shadow Cast by Moonsung Myung's Unification Church and Abe Shinzo by Peter McGill. I'm just going to give a background on what the Moonies are. It's going to be a minute, but I think it's well worth our listen. Okay. So in 1941, a man by the name of Sun Myung Moon which is why I called Moonies, began studying electrical engineering in Tokyo, but did not finish the course and returned to live in Seoul, where he married his first wife. After Allied forces liberated Korea in 1945, 1945, Moon moved to Pyongyang and started his own church. Other ministers complained of his teachings, and in 1946, Moon was arrested and charged for polygamy. Two years later, he was excommunicated from the Presbyterian Church, and Moon was sentenced to five years at the Hungman Labor Camp, where he wrote his memoirs that he was beaten until he vomited blood. When the Korean War broke out in the 1950s, he was freed from the camp when guards fled from advancing United Nations troops and traveled to Pusan in the south where he began a new church. By then, a convinced anti-communist, he identified movements in countries with biblical figures. Korea became the Adam Nation, while Japan was Eve and America the Archangel. Communist countries were the lair of Satan, and Korea was the front line in a war between good and evil. In 1955, one year after official founding of his Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity, Moon was arrested over allegations of sex with female followers. Ewa Women's University, a prestigious Methodist mission college, dismissed five professors and expelled 14 students. 80 young women involved in the case refused to testify in court, and charges were finally dropped. The FBI later cited reports that the cult was engaged in a sexual rite called Picarian, or cleaning of the womb, in which a woman had sex with Moon three times to cleanse her blood from Satan's lineage. The woman then <laughs> could cleanse her husband by having sex with him. Oh, 
God. Yeah, that's what this church is all about. Also, the Unification Church is very commonly known as the church that plans weddings. They have mass weddings where thousands of people get married, and the Unification Church tells you who you're married. So you don't get to pick your... Oh, I was just going to say, are these people not in the... Like, they're all in the cult, cult? and yeah they and all just, get like told running the marry. side like yeah. wedding business <laughs> but this thing is okay. fucking huge like it is a huge cult the unification church was organized by retiring brigadier general kim jong-pil the founder and first director of the south korean cia <laughs> which was set up by the cia and okay. kim jong-pil a relative of park chung-hee an architect of the coup who later became prime minister has been using the church which has a membership of twenty-seven thousand, as a political tool says a CIA report. This cult's first overseas bridgehead was in Japan, where Kishi Nobusuke, the maternal grandfather of Shinzo Abe, rolled out the red carpet for Moon. The Unification Church was granted a Japanese status as a Christian religious corporation in July 1964, and a few months later moved its headquarters to an Art Deco-style building beside Kishi's home in Tokyo's Shibuya Ward. Kishi had used the building as his official residence while Prime Minister. 20 years after the Unification Church became his next-door neighbor, Kishi would beseech U.S. President Ronald Reagan to free Moon Sung Myun from imprisonment. From the 1960s to late 1980s, the Unification Church was stridently anti-communist. More than 300,000 South Korean troops were sent to support American forces defending South Vietnam, and Moon was a vocal supporter of the Vietnam War. His position was fully shared throughout the war by all mainstream Protestant churches in South Korea. At home, critics of the South Korean military deployment risked detention and torture by the KCIA, and massacres by Korean troops in Vietnam were covered up. Party Yamagami's lethal animus, that is the guy who killed Shinzo Abe, derived from his grandfather's partnering with Moon in the International Federation of the Victory Over Communism. They have so many friggin' anti-communist groups that they just, I don't know how they come up with so many names and say, I'm not with the communists. The Federa- <laughs> International Federation for Victory Over Communism. The Anti-Communist League. And there's more that will come up. And Moon founded it in Seoul in 1968. The honorary chairman of the Japan affiliate launched in the same year and Japanese Kokusai Shokyo Rengo was none other than Sasakawa Ryochi, that guy who was the Class A war criminal I haven't mentioned yet who got out. One of the most notorious and flamboyant Japanese of the 20th century. He is considered like the daddy warbucks of Japan. His biggest regret is that he never won the Nobel Peace Prize and during World War II he was so proud of the planes that he bought that he flew them to Italy to show his hero Mussolini. Big fascist. Yeah. Also, he owned the entire gambling that's allowed in Japan for years, likely because he had a really good in with the Yakuza with Yoshio. So that's where Ryochi comes in. Sorry, I finally got to him. <laughs> oh God, where was I? What a roller coaster. Moon also sponsored the 1970 Tokyo meeting of the World Anti-Communist League. See, they have a million ways of saying they're against communism. With which the IFVOC and Shokyo Rengo were affiliated. The WACF grew out of the Asian People's Anti-Communist League, <laughs> formed in 1954 at the request of South Korea's Ri sing and Taiwan's Chiang Kai-shek to fight communism in Asia after the end of the Korean War. The WACL established in Taiwan in 1966 expanded the scope of anti-communist 
his activities onto a global stage. In the 1970s, the European division of the WACL became notorious for a large influx of fascist groups, especially after British white supremacist Roger Pearson took over as WACL chairman in 1978. Jeffrey Stuart Smith, who headed the league's British chapter, resigned in protest, describing the WACL as, quote, largely a collection of Nazis, fascists, anti-Semites, sellers of forgeries, vicious racialists, and corrupt self-seekers. Sounds like a great group of people. Yeah. The Unification Church expansion into the U.S. began after Moon moved there with his rapidly growing family in the early 1970s. With money also pouring in from Japan, the Unification Church bought the New Yorker Hotel in Manhattan, a seafood operation said to supply half of the sushi sold in the United States, a cable TV network, a recording studio, and a shipbuilding firm, all owned by the Unification Church in New York. And to this day, I can't remember if it comes up or not, 70% of the income from the Unification Church comes from donations in Japan. Uh, Is it still, it's still a cult? It's still a cult, still very much so around. It's mostly Japan and Korea, mostly Japan, but it's everywhere. That's crazy. And they still, I'm pretty sure, own the Washington Post. If you ever see an article from the Washington Post, it's owned by the Unification Church. What? Yeah. Or sorry, Washington Times, not the Washington Post. Okay, I was going to say, huh? Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. The Washington Times are owned by the Unification Church. Yeah, so they go to the U.S., they buy all these companies, and a U.S. congressional probe into the Koreagate scandal of influence buying in Washington lifted the lid on the close cooperation between the Unification Church and the government of Park Chung-hee. The spark for a wide-ranging investigation into the U.S.-Korea relationship was revelations of corruption by South Korea's chief lobbyist, Tong Sun Park, who funneled money from the KCIA to members of Congress. Cash-filled envelopes were handed over at lavish parties at the Georgetown Club that Park had founded for entertaining. Park Chung-hee had authorized an aggressive influence buying operation, ran out of the Washington Embassy to counter moves to reduce the U.S. troop presence in South Korea and other U.S. military assistance, as well as to roll back mounting criticism of human rights violations by his regime. The chief agent of repression was the KCIA, widely suspected of involvement in the 1973 abduction from Tokyo of Korean opposition leader and later Nobel laureate Kim Dae-jung. Moon also manufactured guns for the Korean military through the Unification Church, which drew much unfavorable attention. Tongil Heavy Industries, headed by his second cousin, made the Vulcan gun, an anti-aircraft weapon, an air gun used by Korean school children for military training, <laughs> the M79 grenade launcher, and most controversially at the time for Korea Gate, the M16 rifle, the basic infantry weapon of the Korean army. The M16 was made under the license from the Colt Industries in the US and was made under an agreement with the US government that was only to be reproduced or to be produced by the South Korean government. So the South Korean government is so intertwined with this cult at the time that they basically see no difference between them making it and this cult making the weapons. Washington Times founded by this ubiquitous henchman Pak Bo Hee in 1982 strengthened bonds. The paper was meant to be a conservative counterweight to liberal Washington Post that had been instrumental in driving Nixon from office and enjoyed a monopoly in the capital area. Reagan read the Washington Times every day for his presidency. (laughs) That took me a moment. (laughs) The American people know the truth. You, my friends at the Washington Times, have told it to them, he said in 1997. (laughs) Isn't it great that, like, one of everybody's favorite presidents fully loved Colt's readings? Colt's readings. Cult newspapers. Literally owned by a cult. That might make them better. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. 
And then in, and this is where the CIA part actually comes in. The Moonies, the Unification Church, are definitely involved with the CIA. The guaranteed part is right here. In 1979, the hereditary dictatorship of the Somoza family, Somoza family in power in Nicaragua since 1937, was deposed by left-wing Sandinistas. Reagan believed that the Sandinista victory threatened, quote, southern frontier of the United States, end quote. In addition to a trade embargo against Nicaragua, he authorized the CIA to convertly help Contra rebels operating out of camps in the neighboring Honduras and Costa Rica with funding, training, and weaponry, obviously known as the Iran-Contra affair. After Congress prohibited federal funding of the Contras in 1983, Colonel Oliver North on the National Security Council formulated a plan for the Reagan administration to continue backing them by selling arms to Iran and channeling the proceeds to the Contras. The CIA was supported in these covert campaigns by a broad range of right-wing individuals and networks connected to Singh Lob's World Anti-Communist League. Its Latin American chapter, the CAL, which stands for Confederación Anticommunista Latina Americana, would gradually involve representatives of all the Latin American domestic security forces, intelligence services, military establishments, paramilitary movements, and death squads across the continent. Moon's contribution to the anti-communism in Central and South America was through a new political arm of the Unification Church called the CASA, Spanish for cause, founded in New York in 1980. CASA was inevitably headed by Noon's ultra-loyal ex-Colonel Pac Bohe. In 1984, the celebrated American investigative journalist Jack Anderson described in a syndicated column how Moon's cult worked with the CIA. And this is from his article. In the Central American hinterlands, it is sometimes difficult to distinguish CIA operative from the Reverend Samyun Moon's disciples. They appear to be working in harness against the communist-tainted Sandinista regime in Nicaragua. This troubles at least one Pentagon analyst now stationed in Korea, who has warned the White House that the CIA Mooney connection could cause possible political damage to the president's re-election campaign, that president being Ronald Reagan. Current Mooney involvement in the government officials' contractors and grantees could create a major scandal, the memo warns. Casa International, Moon's political front, has representatives working in the programs that helped the CIA and its Contra work against the Sandinista government. CASA maintains a publicity office in Tesagalpa, the Honduran capital, but its principal activities are in the field. CASA provides cash and other aid to Honduran-based Nicaraguan Contras and Honduran right-wing political groups. Many anti-Sandinista guerrillas wear red CASA t-shirts with a map of the world on them. But CASA and its affiliate, the Refugee Relief Freedom Foundation, provide more than t-shirts to the rebel group. They also funnel supplies to refugee families in and near Contra camps and pay for trips by rebel leaders to the United States. The airlift of supplies to the rebels by Moon's Unification Church has escalated since Congress cut off CIA funding for Contras. The administration has been attempting to privatize its war against the Sandinistas and it's apparently willing to work with Moon's people. While CASA was active throughout South America, it was Uruguay's military dictatorship that offered the warmest welcome. In March of 1981, Park Bohe met the president, vice president, and interior minister in the capital of Montevideo. By the end of the year, CASA was granted rights to set up two newspapers, Noticia del Uruguay and Ultima Noticia, and a radio station in Uruguay, as well as a casino in violation of local gambling laws. It brought the largest publishing house, a restaurant, and a meatpacking plant, and owned Montevideo's only luxury hotel, the Victoria Plaza, which housed the casino and was later extended to include a convention center. Uruguay's offshore banking system operated behind walls of secrecy 
Agency and was notorious for being a laundromat for drug money, as well as a haven for flight capital and tax evasion. Casa's acquisition of a controlling interest in Uruguay's third largest bank, the Banco de Credito, prompted many questions. The cult's sudden interest in acquiring a Uruguayan bank may have been related to its intense scrutiny it was receiving from U.S. tax authorities, which led to Moon's conviction and incarceration in a Connecticut penitentiary. This provoked an extraordinary intervention by Kishi, the former prime minister who had done so much to facilitate unification church entry into Japan. On November 26, 1984, Nobusuke Kishi wrote to Reagan at the White House imploring him to release Moon by all means from his unfair imprisonment as soon as possible. Kishi begins his letter by congratulating Reagan on a sweeping election victory and on departing from the New Deal policies of the Democratic Party, ultimately derived from Marxism, which have been the parents since the time of President F.D. Roosevelt. Kishi alludes to a recent World Media Conference in Tokyo, of which he and Douglas MacArthur II, American ambassador oh, to Japan from 1957 Lord. to 1961, had both been honorary chairman, attended by, quote, 800 journalists from 87 countries, unquote. According to Kishi, the conference closed with a congratulatory speech by Mike Mansfield, who was U.S. ambassador to Tokyo from 1977 to 88. The World Media Conference was founded by Moon, whom Kishi extols in his letter as a genuine man staking his life on promoting the ideals of freedom and correcting communism. His existence is and will be in the future a rare, precious, indispensable one for the maintenance and freedom freedom of democracy. A reply was drafted by Reagan's signature and was sent to Kishi on March 5th, 1985. It is noted that Moon's request for a parole had been denied and his scheduled release date remained August 20th, although a formal request for executive clemency was under consideration. Japanese Defense Minister Nobuo Kishi, who is Abe's brother, said this week that Unification Church members had volunteered in his own past election campaigns and the head of Japan's agency investigating security lapses in Abe's killing told reporters that he had the executive committee for a church-linked event in 2018. And this is the Moonies. It hosts mass weddings, owns a famous ski resort, a soccer team, travel agency, construction company, and numerous factories, sits on a giant land bank of 4,628 hectares, and pursues government-sanctioned economic and political diplomacy with North Korea. So close have been relations with the government that the Unification Church gave anti-communist indoctrination courses to South Korean civil servants at its Su-Taik-Ri compound outside Seoul, Inside the compound was the Unification Church factory making rifles for the South Korean military. And in 2021, both Shinzo Abe and Donald Trump addressed a Unification Church rally of hope. Both Trump and his former CIA Director and Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, addressed another Mooney event in Seoul in August of 2022 after Abe's assassination. So, that super fucked up. On September 8th, the LDP released the results of an internal survey that it had done, showing that almost half of its 379 diet members had admitted to dealing with the Mooney's cult. In addition, 290 members of the prefectural assemblies and seven prefectural governors have acknowledged associating with it, according to the survey by Asahi. So close have their relationships been with the government that the Unification Church gave anti-communist indoctrination courses to South Korea and Japan. And yeah, basically how they get all their money, it's super sketchy. I cut this part out, but they look in the obituaries, the Unification Church, find people that have recently died, go to their loved ones and say, you're a family member that's passed on is in hell right now and you need to give us money and commit yourself to our church so that your loved ones can live a better life. 
in the afterlife. I'm just amazed at how many people they take in with all of this. They take in so many I'm people. I'm always amazed at cult and how they operate like this. Fuck, I hope I still have this article open, do I? Because this is absolutely vital. Basically, it's the story of... Why would you close it if it's vital? I thought I had it in my thing. That's 25 pages long. But basically, Yamagami, the guy who assassinated Shinzo Abe, his life was ruined because his father died in a construction accident when he was young, and his mother got taken in by the Unification Church. They forced her to sell her family's construction company and sell all the land that they owned and give all that money to the Unification Church, which ended up being about $700,000. Yamagami's brother committed suicide basically because they were destitute. Yamagami attempted to commit suicide at one point. His mom basically says that she has no family left and only cares about the church. And Mooney, Sungyun Moon, died and his wife is now in charge of the church. He wanted to assassinate her because he hates the church so much, but was unable to find a place what would actually work. So instead, he found the next closest thing that he could, which is a family that is deeply tied to bringing it into Japan, which is the Abe and the Kishi family. So that's why he assassinated Shinzo Abe. And that is why a Korean cult church came up in my episode about Japan and the CIA. <laughs> And that is where this episode ends. What a web that's been weaved. <laughs> we touched on a little bit of everything. That was, I don't even know what to compare that to. I was going to say roller coaster, but it wasn't quite a roller coaster. It was something different than a roller coaster. It was a plane ride with a Japanese porn star of a ride. Okay, yeah, I'll take that one. I'll take it. In fact, encourage it. Embrace it. Yes. And let's just say right now, I had to cut this short. Jesus. This is the short version of this episode. And does this bring us to the end of Japan? Probably not. <laughs> this brings us to the end of Japan for now. <laughs> for now. Because there's obviously still other stuff we need to touch on that have come up. Yeah, God. Chelsea, any questions? Uh, I don't think at or any this comments. point... That was crazy. Lots of things in these last three episodes that have taught me a lot about the history of Japan, much of which I had no idea of. It was a journey for me, much of which I did not know, nor would have any reason to know, I guess. Yeah, they're fringe topics. I've been oblivious, if you will, to what Japan's been up to. And like we knew we were going to circle back to, I'll be keeping my eye on Japan a little closer here on out. But other okay. than that, I, I don't know that I have any. I can't add much to that. <laughs> but what a journey. Okay. What a journey it has been. God. I'll be happy to not have to think about Japan for a little while. Oh, we can't. Man, it's just the... like math. We always got to be thinking about Japan now. You always got to be, or else you're insane. Yeah. <laughs> or else some bad shit's going to happen. And you might become part of the cult. But with that, I'll leave you with the same advice. If you ever hear anybody talking about the Unification Church or the Moonies, don't give them your money. It's like, just, just don't. As much as you want Even to. if they're trying to sell you stuff. Yeah. Don't. don't do it. Because we're your Japanese experts. Sure, we don't speak the language, but we, we tell you, don't. <laughs> And with that sage advice, I have been Taylor, here with Chelsea. We are Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what 
venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>